Aaron, it's election day 2020 here in the United <gasps> States, quite possibly one of the pivotal dates in all of human history, if the news is to be believed. Could be. Yeah. So I can't think of any better way to thoroughly educate our uh, listenership than by answering Discord questions about old video games we used to play. It's Ask the Amigos, November 2020, Aaron, and we're going to kick things it. off right away with Mr. Lord Soup's first question. He says, like many of us, I enjoy games from my distant childhood and before. I'm frequently amazed with games that are crammed into 64K, 16K, etc. Which games stand out to you for as wonders of coding with regard to being crammed to a small cache of system RAM? Primarily, I'm thinking of 8-bits. Well, I'll tell you, right, the first one that pops into my mind, and you know what it is, don't you, Boat? I have it's no idea. Elite. It's Elite. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is a wonder. And when I first got that game, and I was like, this all fits on this floppy disk, I was stunned. I stunned at that, Boat. Mm -hmm. I think Elite is a genius game. I may not be the best at it. I may not be... Uh, it's something, maybe something I don't play all the time, but I, I, just the sheer genius of it, I think that's easily at the top of my list. What about you? Uh, for me, you know, I think about growing up and not really understanding how um, game programs worked. I thought that if I, you know, could somehow look at a disc or look at a cartridge with a with a good enough microscope, I would actually be able to see like the levels etched in the PCB. Uh, and I remember playing Metroid on the Nintendo for the first time. And I remember just thinking this game is the largest game world that's ever been conceived. Like I wish that I had that special security, but so I could open up the Nintendo cartridge and look and see it all mapped out there as if I could just like look at the thing and get a map of it. That's one game that I remember definitely being. Being, uh, amazed at now i have no idea i think most nintendo cartridges were like you know 16k you know rom or something like that um but uh that that one was one that really blew me away on the computers you know i didn't really play that many epic games with when i had the atari it was mostly just you know arcade ports and text adventures and things like that it wasn't until we started doing this show where i started being exposed to the big games like elite and stuff i'll tell you uh if i go to consoles for a minute I remember the first time I saw Pitfall 2 on the, mm. on the Atari. I couldn't freaking mm -hmm. believe that. I mean, Pitfall 1 was pretty impressive, but Pitfall 2 was huge. Yeah. And it yeah. had an end that was awesome. I thought that was a really impressive uh, game. And then going back to the NES, uh, and, you know, I'm not the NES guy you are, but I remember the very first time I saw Super Mario Brothers, I could not believe the depth mm -hmm. and the graphics and the sound and the music. I was just like, holy smokes, because, I mean, that was a quantum leap right. to me. You know, people talk about uh, Mario sixty four, and it was that was also a quantum leap. But I mean, the original Super Mario can't be it can't be overstated how impressed that was uh, at the time because that game. Uh, I remember, like I said, I've said this before. It's one of the, it's the first game I ever saw, and I thought to myself, "Man, we're going to be playing this thing even when we're older." It's not like because we were used to just taking games, playing them, and tossing them. You know, right. so. Very impressive. Yeah, I think it's funny that both you and I both saw Super Mario Brothers played for the first time at the same Kmart, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Which is now defunct, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Did you, did you see where somebody climbed, they climbed to the roof of the Kmart and stole all the copper out of the HVAC units? That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, there's That's what some, we do around here. There's something like $25 million worth of damage, and they won't be able to rent that building out and all. It's, it's, a, it's a real it's a real. You know the funny thing about these there. copper thieves? Is that they will, I mean, because we just had some guys steal some copper right down the street from my house. Oh, really? Uh, down right beside the Fruit Pharmacy. They stole a bunch of copper, and they it did like uh, thousands of dollars worth of damage. They said the total copper value was a hundred and some bucks. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and I guarantee you, all the copper they shipped out of that Kmart, they they, they probably did millions of dollars worth of damage for probably five hundred dollars worth of yeah, copper. Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Eric Nelson asks, in your entire gaming history, who was your favorite player too? I got to go with the Chud, mm, and I'll tell yeah, you why. Good choice. Because the Chud and my good buddy Chad, uh, he I just, he's one of my all time favorite like guys to hassle because he just he always reacts when i do something he's always (laughs) surprised when i trick him he always is flabbergasted when he's defeated or something happens and it's always hilarious yeah and so when i remember playing games with chad and i would have a shtick when i won and it used to and to this day if i even start if i say the words you're good that's all I've got to say. He goes bananas because he knows the stick is coming. The full stick. I've got a speech I used to give him. Well, don't don't leave us hanging. Give us the speech. I would say, I was like, I'd say, Chad, you're good. Some might even say you're mediocre, but you're not the man. And I would say and that was, and he would it would drive him nuts. And it's a stupid speech, but he hated it. And I had a bunch of stuff. I would go. I would. I've been kicked out of his house. I've been. Uh, <laughs> he's left. He's throwing the stick down and left. He's, I mean, or refused to play games ever again. <laughs> I remember one time he said, I'm done playing any video games. Wow. You know, so, yeah, it was, that was awesome. I love that. I love that guy. What about you? You know, I, I didn't play video games with that many people growing up. Um, I was mostly a solo video game player. Uh, the exception is is my, my good buddy, Logan, uh, who lives down on Charlie's Creek. And uh, he... Oh, poor um, guy. Yeah, I mean, he lives way out there. He yeah, was he was that, my first place he goes was, on forever. He yeah. was my first exposure to people that lived way way out there. <laughs> yeah, um, that's way out. Yeah, and uh, he. Uh, but anyway, I used to go over to his house and spend weeks and weeks there during the summer, just completely move away from my home and stay there, stay with him. And uh, we would play just like endless rounds. I think we I've talked about this before. We we'd go from the nests and we'd play all the nest games until they were exhausted. And then we'd go upstairs to his, his parents' bedroom and we'd play uh, PC games, uh, uh, horrible, horrible uh, CGA PC games. And, uh, and then when that fun was exhausted, you know, it was next. Oh yeah, baby. It's Socrates time. And that's when the Socrates came out. <laughs> that's your third string is yeah. Socrates. And there's nothing oh, that man. there's nothing that bonds a player one and a player two together. Like a like the Socrates, like some like math challenges. <laughs> That's oh, right. God. That that CAD program. <laughs> oh man, geez. Yeah, yeah. So Logan, Logan, who I think has been on one Amigos video, I think um, he is. Uh, he is uh, now. Now I did play a lot of games with Hat Chad, but Hat Chad is more of an observer. You know, he he was content to sit and watch, and we'd play. You know, and, and I'd play stuff. But uh, but yeah, Logan definitely my number one player too. R S N eight 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 seven asks, "What is your favorite Amiga public domain game?" Just off the cuff. All right. I'm going to say my favorite is, and we did this one early on, Alien Fish Fingers. Man, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that game. I'll go back to it quite a bit. There's, It's got a cool vibe. It's cool looking. It's fun. It's simple, but fun. And it's actually, like, it's, it's, it's pretty large, pretty mm-hmm. large game. So I'm, uh, I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with uh, Hangar 18. Also a good one. <laughs> that Remember that one? You, yeah, oh, yeah. That thing's crazy, man. Yeah. That, just for <laughs> the amount of depth and the amount of craziness that's going on in there. You, know, uh, you can fly vehicles around in that game, which is insane. Um, it, it, much like Star Trek. These are the games where these guys just got, had a passion. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's why. So they just poured all their passion into their game. I love mm-hmm. that. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, I also really like that game that you hated, uh, the game where you're drawing a line, sort of Etch-A-Sketch style, and you're trying yeah, to... I hated that. But I again, you guys love that. That was, that, that's mostly just down to the warm memories of Amiga Ireland, just everybody crowding around together, cheering, drinking. You were liquored drinking. up, but... Yeah, it was a good time. Um, RSN continues with, what is your favorite frozen pizza and why? Free? <laughs> Are you not particular about your frozen pizza brands? Listen, have you seen me recently? Well, I mean, I, no, I'm not that particular. I'm going to say, uh, I'll tell you what I, you know, the, the, those ones you can get for like a buck, mm-hmm. like, uh, like the, uh, sub like the, tombstone, the, the, the Totino's party pizza. Bam. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, they're not my, that's not the one I would love to have, but I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I've had the most of. I mean, I like your, uh, uh, tombstone. I'll tell you, you know, I, you know, if I had to pick my all time favorite, remember when you could, and this is back they've changed this, but you should better get these really great pizzas at like Kroger's and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like they would sell the pizzas that they made there. Yeah. They wouldn't they, be they frozen. Still do, they'd, but they'd be refrigerated. Right. Yeah. They still sell them, but they're not the same. You mm-hmm. know, uh, those were great back in the yeah. day when I was, uh, when I lived in Lexington, I used to have a lot of those. Those are still a cut above, you know, anytime you have something that's, that's sort of made more recently uh, and, and chilled rather than frozen, I would yeah. say, uh, you know, I'll go, I tend to, I tend to skew cheaper, on my frozen pizza, I find that DiGiorno is not very good. I've never been a big fan of the crust on DiGiorno. Depends. Yeah, yeah. Um, I understand. With a frozen pizza, I tend to favor a thinner crust, um, and it, it gives it a more chip-like nature. And then yeah, I, I don't can, like those. You don't like the thin crust? Interesting. No, I'm not a big fan of the thin crust. Okay, okay. It's just like it's like eating a, um, it's almost like eating a, ta- a taco shell. Yeah. You know? I, I don't like it. Okay, you know? okay. I can respect that. Yeah. Um. RSN uh, finishes his trilogy of questions asking, have you ever been electrically electrically shocked yourself? Let me just start over. Have you ever electrically shocked yourself really bad and how and when? <laughs> Hundreds of times. <laughs> Hundreds of times I've electrically shocked myself. Mm. Uh, when you're in this business, you're going to shock the crap out of yourself. I've shocked myself on arcade machines, pulled around with refrigerators, washer and dryers, uh, uh, messing around in the lab. I've shocked myself many times at, at Lexmark. We're shocked quite often. Uh, you, after a while, you get used to being shocked. I've been shocked on an electric fence. Uh, that sucked. I didn't like that too much. I'll be honest with you. Uh, don't grab those. That it was wasn't. It wasn't a Ren and Stimpy situation. I don't know what that is. Don't is that? whiz on the electric fence. I told you. I saw a chick was on an electric fence at one time. I didn't get no. good for her. Stop the presses. Let's hear yeah. this story. Yeah, we were in a cow pasture uh, one night, a bunch of us. Sounds like West Virginia. This girl I know went to go uh, take care of business. And uh, don't ask me how this happened, by the way, or the the logistics of it, because I can't tell you. But I just heard this colossal, and and, and I saw this chick rolling down the side of the hill, and that's what it happened. She lit herself up. Wow. So, yeah, that was funny. What about Uh, you? Never. I've never, I've, you know, aside from static shock, I've never shocked myself. And I've I've worked on CRTs. I've decoupled the the flyback and all that stuff multiple times. Uh-huh. And uh, I've just been lucky. Uh, I'm surprised I've never shocked myself because I've done some real stupid things with electronics. But uh, but nothing that's resulted in a shock, fortunately. You know, the old man, my dad worked at John Amos Power Plant for a decade. You mm-hmm. know? And I remember more than once him coming home with a weird look on his face. 
and he had taken like 400 kajillion volts. Holy cow. You know, something. And he would, I mean, literally looked like, like he had a weird look to him. Mm. Like he had been, you could tell he was lit up. So yeah. he's another one. I, I'm going to chip off the old block when it comes to getting shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Simulant asks, if and when Lord Sugar finally builds his Amstrad Museum, are you up for flying over to visit it? I can maybe even provide a sofa to sleep on or an inflatable airbed. Let me tell you something. If Lord, if, if, if Mr. Sugar, Lord Sugar, uh, which I love his name. <laughs> I'd love, I was just thinking that I'd love to be called Lord one Sugar. Thing about, one thing about the Amstrad, I like the fact that you got Sugar as the man. I, if if this if we can get past this COVID situation, I mean, the day they say, yeah, you can go anywhere, it's all good. I will go anywhere and sleep on anything. I, I can't <laughs> wait. I'm ready for any kind of action, baby. I'll go to any museum you got. Museum me Me up. too. Me too. Um, Simulan also asks, would you consider bringing back our Sinclair, but instead calling it our Spectrum Next podcast? Now that would be a killer show to be the only next podcast with modern and classic specky content. No. No, because I don't know. I don't have an X, and I don't know anything about the next enough to where I would feel comfortable naming the show that. Uh, uh, that I, much I, said, I, I, uh, we'll probably do some more Art Sinclair stuff down the line. I know you've done a little bit already, so yeah. I, I the, just from looking at the, the the community surrounding a lot of these new things, there are people that are sort of chomping at the bit to take other people down. Yeah, and I wouldn't feel comfortable putting ourselves in that situation. Yeah, uh, because yeah. Um, yeah, the 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 next the next community is uh, is. Is, is different. It's different just from following all the different groups on Facebook. But like uh, like Aaron said, don't fret, my pet. Um, Our Sinclair may be coming back sooner than you think. Hey, you know what I saw today? Just off the side. Someone's made like a new version of the MSX that's floating around. Have you really? seen this thing? Is this oh, an, yeah. like a, just a uh, FPGA board? I don't know what's in it, but it'll still, it takes the cartridges. You can use all the peripherals. And so it looks sort of like the MSX version of the Spectrum Next. Huh. I just had a cursory glance at it. It just kind of crossed my radar when I was tinkering around Twitter this morning. So I'll, more info coming, but that'd be kind of neat. Yeah, that would be cool. We're covering MSX2 on the ARG this week. So I know. that's how I found it. I'm eagerly awaiting your game choice because I think I may try and uh, emulate this one. Well, I'm trying to find something that's exclusive to the MSX2. So I'm mm. still looking. Okay, next is, let's see here, uh, Kit, his first question on Ask the Amigos. If you had an extra $500 to spend on a retro gaming item or something to spruce up your gaming area, what would it be? Go ahead, Boat. What do you got? All right, I got this one all lined up. I would buy a Vectrix. Uh, I've always wanted one. I think you can get a Vectrix with a couple games thrown in for around 500 bucks. Uh, I would probably spring for one of those. It would look great on the shelf behind me. Um, and, uh, and that would, that'd be what I'd get. Something from, uh, you know, I have to, hmm. you know, I, again, I don't feel, I'm not a greedy dude, but I know this, despite what you think. I've always thought you were a greedy dude. You know, I've got, I've got so much cool stuff. Like, you know what I got in the mail yesterday? What'd you get in the mail yesterday? This. Lint roller? This is that send in oh yeah laser, like light gun right you you backed that on Kickstarter yeah thanks to your boy uh, and and I haven't even played with it yet I've got a chance but it's I've got so many nice things I have to think I I, I suppose I would like to have I've mentioned this before if I could have just something to have in the room to play with mm-hmm. I would like to have an FM Towns yeah e- either an FM Towns or an FM Car Marty I would take mm-hmm. either one of those you could uh, definitely get out the door with one of those for under five hundred bucks no oh, problem. no way 
if and the thing is you have to it's a lot like the msx i mean it's a full-blown computer mm-hmm. so you have to like you know figure out what you're doing so yeah. I, I need i need a sucker to help me too so i wouldn't mind having like one of the japanese computers back here to tinker with oh 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 or also i would like to have a sam coop i like to have one of those too hmm so yeah sam coupe is a very strong choice that's a very strong choice yeah um bundy asks what was the first video game that blew your mind <laughs> been hitting the bottle boat what was the first video game <laughs> that blew my mind yeah well this is a generic answer but i can't help it it's true the very first thing i saw that blew my mind was freaking uh home pong I couldn't believe that because you could actually play the TV. Mm-hmm. I know that's generic, but it's true. Like, I'm telling you, we never thought about the concept of playing stuff on the TV. We just watched the TV. Right. Who knew you could fiddle with it? I remember on the Odyssey, when you could type your name in to a game, your name was on TV. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> stupid, but it's true. Fuck mm-hmm. where's my name? Uh, if you're talking about a more, like, after I knew what video games were that blew my mind, I would have to probably go with, you know, really, the uh, Zaxxon was up there. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, that thing looked so awesome, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, would be up there. And uh, uh, Dragon's Lair is another one. That really, when I saw that, I was, I would say, it, that was the most mind-blowing thing I saw at the time, was Dragon's Lair. So I'm going to go with that. What about you? Yeah, for me... <sighs> It's hard. It's hard to remember what really blew my mind. Like there was stuff that really impressed me that I thought that was super awesome. But there was nothing that I saw that that I was really like, man, this is really world changing until really. And we you mentioned this before was Mario 64. When I saw the way that you could move around in a 3D space in real time, uh, because at this point, you know, we'd seen lots of. um you know, sort of like like the Dire Straits video. You'd seen lots of 3D conceptual renderings, but they always move kind of slow and they always looked sort of bad. And Mario 64 was like the realization of that in video game form that looked amazing and played just as well as it looked. So I'd say that was that that blew my mind even more than the original Super Mario Brothers. I have to say, yeah, that was a uh, that game gets a lot of dap, and it should. I mean, it really is a was a pretty impressive display. Uh, another one that popped into my head while you were talking was, and this is another, but it's true. It's generic, but it's, it's the original Doom. Mm, yeah. I remember going over to Chud's house. He goes, look at this. And we looked at him like, Chad, did you get a new computer? Did you get a new video card? I mean, I legitimately asked him these things because I didn't think a computer could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was pretty computer savvy at the time, you mm-hmm. know, but it was, it was, that was another one. It was such a, uh, uh, a freak out. I do wish both that you had been. I wish this is one of the advantages of being my age, despite the fact you make fun of me. It's like we were, I was there pretty much right at the beginning of video games. And I, it was awesome to see the evolution of the stuff from seeing like Pong or, or Gunfight or something at the arcade or Space Invaders. Then you can play Pong at your house. And then all of a sudden you're playing the Atari and you're playing combat and stuff. I mean, it stuff blew my mind perpetually for decades sure because it, it, the it, the leaps were unbelievable you know and so and even now with like virtual reality the first time i played with that over at branch it was also pretty impressive i was like man this is really neat uh so it, I, i've been my mind's been blown a lot i'm simple-minded too that helps well you know a, a big thing is is that i just never i cannot recall a time before video games like you know i i remember seeing video games for the first time in 1985 
when we moved to Hurricane and my next door neighbor had an Atari 2600. I was four years old. So like there is there was never a time that I cannot remember having video games around. So, you know, obviously the first time I saw video uh, video games, I was my mind was blown, but it wasn't like when I was, you know, 14 or 15 and I saw Mario 64 for the first time and I could put those things into context. And uh, and and so, yeah, you mean you, you definitely have the advantage there of being old. Do you remember do, do you since you saw them at four do you did you play games a lot as a kid was that something you did quite often no uh, we got the atari my parents put pretty strict limits on the amount of screen time that i got growing up uh the the computer was always in the in the living room and uh and i remember playing i mean i might play a game you know, for an hour a day in the evenings while my dad was watching the news or something like that. But I, it wasn't really until I was older, probably until I was in like maybe fifth or sixth grade when we got the Nintendo and it was down in the basement that I really started devoting uh, a more unhealthy amount of time to video games. But growing up when I was say in my, you know, early childhood years, I don't think I played a whole lot of video games. Yeah. I mean, when I was a little kid, I, I, I played I, my favorite thing was the record player. Mm-hmm. Then it was the tape deck and yeah. playing hot wheels or Legos. And stuff. Now look at Luke, my son, and he played, he had Thomas the Tank Engine trains and he had some Hot Wheels. But I mean, it was pretty early on where he discovered video games. And he doesn't give a crap about anything but games, yeah. <laughs> fortunately. And I think a lot of kids like that now. Yeah. So I feel kind of bad for him, but that's, I guess that's just the way it is. Yeah. My favorite thing growing up was the record player, too. When my parents, uh, my mom, she went to a yard sale and bought just this huge pile of, of you know, Disney records and, and stuff like that. And I would sit there and just listen to that turd table all day long. So, yeah. right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's see here. Coming up next, this is from Chris Folds. He says, history is written by the winners. Which is your favorite underdog system? You got a thought on that? Um, Boy, you know, pro- I mean, it, you know, it's hard to say what is what is an underdog system. Maybe they're probably oh, definitely the GameCube. I mean, the GameCube is definitely the ultimate underdog system because, you know, it was outsold by both the Xbox and the PS2. I wouldn't call and- that an underdog system. No way. Because well, it was still it had tons and tons of jack, but I mean, you know? it's it, I mean that's that's why I said like, how do you define an underdog system? I'm th- I'm talking about a system that was awesome, like the, like the Cybeco. Well, not necessarily. I would, but I mean, like I think you could say something like I mean, in terms of mainstream, you know, something like the Turbo Graphics in America. I'd say that would qualify a very a very capable machine that didn't get a second glance here because it got smashed by better, you know, more favorable competition you mm-hmm. know uh uh I, now is that would that be my choice not necessarily but i think i'm not saying the gamecube i mean you could choose whatever you want and i wouldn't choose the jaguar someone mentioned that because the jaguar just wasn't very good in my yeah. in my thoughts the under the an underdog is a great system that just got buried by other systems i think the dreamcast would qualify as well mm-hmm. because people bought it and then it got it got slammed when the PlayStation came out because people, <laughs> you know, and then it well, was gone. I mean, what about the Coco? I think the Coco is the ultimate that, example of an underdog. That's system. that's that's the thing is the Coco was was very successful though. You know, it's hard well, to pick I a mean, computer. It's, it's very successful, relatively speaking. I mean, it's like how the Amiga was. Well, no, it was more successful than that. It was a lot in America. It was a lot more successful than the Amiga. Uh, 
So it's a tough. I'm going to just I mentioned I would say it would be interesting to see how many units of the TurboGrafx 16 sold in America versus the Coco. I would say not not even close would be my guess. I'd say it would I'd say it would the Amiga or the uh, Coco would have sold the Coco sold very well in the states. You know, it wasn't I, a I, dud. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I I I've never looked at the sales numbers for either either system. I just We got L, we got L Curtis Boyle in here. I'd certain something tells me he probably knows the answer to that. Yeah. Uh, but I I think the Coco uh, is is a good is a good choice, I mean, but I think it I think yeah. it's too popular to be an underdog. Yeah, I, I think popular is in that it's 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 a, you're sort of like to the Coco the way that Tenmark is to the Amiga. You know, you were in the scene, you were all up in no, it. So no, in your not, mind, no, no, in your no, mind, wrong. No, that's not the I'm same. Right. No, it's totally the Coco was way more over than that. The Coco had national distribution in every radio stack in the country. I mean, and people sold, they sold, and keep in mind, it was also built off the backs of a very successful computer line. So, yeah, I don't agree with that. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with TurboGrafx. There you go. Okay. Chris Folds also asks, if you could get one new class added to the school curriculum, what would it be and why? Uh, one new class added to the school curriculum. Is ethics taught in school right now? But. No, they, in fact, that would be a valid answer. The problem is, say, is that nobody can agree on what good ethics are. Yeah, I was going to say computer programming. So I guess that's my choice in terms of, of something that's more, a more, have more material use, I think. But ethics would not be the worst thing. If we could all, again, you're right. If we could all establish what ethics we wanted to teach, uh, uh, or it maybe like communications would be, it wouldn't be the worst thing. And I don't mean telecommunications i mean like verbal communications mm -hmm. uh but i you know it's tough something it would be something it would be something that would be less like materially tangible more like spiritually tangible something that could help people get along mm -hmm. i don't know what that would be i'm gonna say ethics though let's go with that i have i have two two courses i'd like to see added uh one is to bring back debate I think that the Ugh. in this this figures into your answer of communications. People don't know how to take the side and present an argument of something that they don't necessarily agree with. Shut up, Boat. You're an idiot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and so teaching that skill is invaluable. And we used to do that in school, but we don't anymore. And then the second one is personal finance. Like you've got to get in there and you've got to teach kids how to when they get money, how to actually manage it and use it correctly. Because gosh knows, parents aren't teaching their kids that. So, so they, they don't have any sort of finance. I thought they had some sort of no. home ec or something in there. The home, ec that was, home ec was abolished from the curriculum dec literally decades ago. They had it when I was in school. When was the Although last time you were, were in school? Uh, ironically, get this boat. When I was in school, I didn't have home ec because you didn't get it if you were in the band. <laughs> I did. I got home ec and I was in the band. I had, you didn't have Miss Schaffner? You never no, we made didn't have home break? ec. I never had home ec. Man, not you one. missed out. Or I shop. How to balance. I didn't have that either. Man, that's crazy. They the band have... took those slots over. That yeah, I don't know how that worked. But anyway, yeah, uh, I would bring back home economics, and yeah. I would you know you could probably update it. But uh, but yeah, okay. You're, I'm often shocked how and listen, I don't, I don't consider myself commander checkbook or whatever, but I'm shocked how stupid people are when it comes to finance and and their own personal finances that yes. you're right that's a that's a darn good choice duncan styles asks do you ever just go for a drive for the sake of going for a drive where do you go we do do that i do mm -hmm. it um i will say i don't do it as much as i used to just because of my the nature of my job yeah you're uh, in the car said, a lot for, for work i do do it at the job i take all kinds of crazy routes just to see different 
areas, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I the places I go are so far out, I could take several different routes to get there, you know. So that, but I mean, occasionally I will hop in the car. Usually, t- grab the chick here, and we'll go out and let the kid fall asleep in the back seat while we look at cows or whatever's on the road or whatever, you know. Uh, um, it's pretty around here, so you can sort of do that, can't you, Boat? Or just sometimes we just drive down to Point Pleasant for no good reason, stuff like that. Yeah, when I was in high school, I did that a lot more often. Me too. And even yeah, too. even into college, you know, a part of it is just being able to, you're how you have the freedom to get away, to get away from your house, get away from yeah. your parents. I used to drive out um, in Hurricane. If you went out and you went underneath the interstate bridge and you came up the hill behind, uh, yeah. like I'm, yeah, uh, if if you go out um, like Benedict Road. Yeah, Benedict Road, yeah. all those places. Go up there uh, I to used the, to go. Uh, yeah, you know, it was like, and it wasn't like a happy days like make out point thing. It was just like you go up there with your buddies and you just you know park the car and you just sit and talk and listen to the radio or whatever. It was yeah. a lot of fun, you know. Yeah, yeah, I've um, done the same thing. And uh, and so that yeah, but these days, you know, Eep and I probably you know the closest thing is that more often than not we'll take Route sixty whenever we go anywhere if we can just so we can look at there's a lot more stuff to look at you know driving out to you know st albans or um or even going out to south charleston or going the other direction you um, pretend you're I, driving on the moon because the road is so right <laughs> right right but yeah i love driving you know it's it's it, one i think we i might have talked about this before but if you know if if life had fallen differently to me and i i didn't become a teacher i could definitely see myself being a truck driver i just i really enjoy the open road I will say a lot of it depends on gas prices. Yeah, <laughs> that's also that's that. very true. Very and true. or also if you've got a valid sticker on your car, if your car can make the drive, mm-hmm. there are several things in my life that will determine whether I take long drives or not. <laughs> right. Uh, Nifta asks, I may regret asking this, but and he asks you this in particular, Joel or Mike. I saw this pop up and I've been pondering it for quite a while. I love both guys. OK, we're talking about Mystery Science Theater 3000 here, by the way. Uh, I love both. I will say the new guy, not him. I don't Who's like the new it. guy. I can't remember his name, but I don't, I don't like the, the new episodes of Mystery Science Theater. They're not nearly as good. Mm. Um, I love Joel, but I'm going to say my favorite's Mike. And I think the reason I'm going to say is this Mike had the better films. Joel's Joel was in between the film stuff was better than Mike's, but Mike had better films. So I'm going to mm. go with Mike. But I mean, it's very it's like asking me my favorite doctor or my favorite bond i mean you're talking about uh, just a tiny bit of difference between my favorites so yeah, yeah. but i love i love them both i i just think joel's got better films and i will say or mike joel's stuff is also so old now that the references are ancient even by my standards i mean they're you, super you know it's, it's funny because i watch mst3k from time to time especially on twitch because there's a twitch channel that plays just constantly yeah and um and I do notice that um, with yeah. with with Joel, it's just like he'll say stuff, and I'm like, boy, not only do I ha- have no idea why that's funny, I have no idea what he's talking about. Well, so- he, he will often reference stuff up in the Twin Cities and up in Minnesota, and and so because that's where they were state, they were sure. where they were at. And if you watch the KTLA stuff or what, what was I thought the the their old stuff from the from the public access station, mm-hmm. it is really localized. I mean, you have to almost look up a lot of some of the stuff that they're talking about. Uh, and Mike's stuff, you got to remember, Mike, a lot of Mike's stuff was on like the sci-fi channel. So right. it was distributed, distributed like that. And so, but I mean, even, I mean, I mean, Joel had a ton of stuff on Comedy Central. It's just that uh, it, Mike's stuff is not as old, but Mike did get better films, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, because mm-hmm. he, 
Joel got some films I didn't think were that great. Although Mike, don't get me wrong, Mike had a couple of real duds, but they weren't his fault. Neither were they Joel's fault. So it's just a bad film. But Joel's experiments and stuff, because they tried, they had that experiment exchange, and they got rid of it for Mike after a while because it didn't make as much sense. Because Joel was a was a, a comic that used a it was a prop comic, mm. so that stuff was taken from his act. Oh, Whereas I didn't Mike, know that. What? Yeah, Mike was the prop comic. He was just a comic, a comedy writer that got sort of drafted in because he worked on the show as a writer for years right. and years. Mm-hmm. You know, so when Joel left and Mike stepped in, it's like there was no reason to keep that. I mean, they kept it around for a little while. I will say, uh, I definitely have uh, my favorites in terms of his adversaries. I'm not a fan of Pearl. Uh, I liked it much more when it was Dr. Forrester and TV's Frank. Mm-hmm. So if you get the mics with Dr. Forrester's and TV's Frank, those are my favorite ones. Uh, let's see. Frodo and L asks, uh, what is your favorite stage or movie musical? Rocky Horror Picture Show. No, that's that's number one with a bullet. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. That's my, that's my favorite. But um, I, I will say in my defense, I, it's not like musicals or something I went on my way to see. So <laughs> it's one of the few things I've seen the stage performance and the movie and listen to both soundtracks. So I have an intimate knowledge of it. So there you go. Uh, I've got a couple favorites. I really like Fiddler on the Roof. Um, I really like the Hairspray, the new musical Hairspray, the one from like 2006. Um, uh, let's see, what else did I... I'm trying to think of ones that I've played in that I really like. I really like The Wiz a whole lot. Um, I like the film version of Hello, Dolly, because the cast is just perfect. Uh, but I wasn't a fan of the stage production. Uh, same with the sound of music. I think that the the film adaptation of sound of music is way better than the stage adaptation. Uh, my least favorite ones include most of Rogers and Hammerstein, including Carousel and Camelot, uh, Oklahoma. I find all those to be unbearably boring. And uh, Candide, which was a huge disappointment because I love the soundtrack for Candide, but the actual musical, I went to New York to see it and it was just the worst. It was the dirt worst. See, this is a question that's definitely geared towards you because my experience is... I- I've seen very few like musicals like on stage, and then a- a- out of those, I can remember even less. I just, you know, and and the ones I've seen, like I saw like Cats one time, for example, and uh, uh, what was the other one I saw? I've seen a few stage productions. Some were musicals, and some weren't. Uh, but uh, you, you know, know I, I like actually, the music from some of these. Don't get me wrong. A Grease uh, mm-hmm. wasn't that? A, didn't they? Yeah, they that's that a musical. Yeah. I like this. I like. But again, I'm familiar with the movie, not right. so much the actual the stage performance. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, like I said, the 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 movie can either be better or worse than the, than the original production. Uh, Frodo mentions Jesus Christ Superstar. That one, amazing, amazing musical. Good, song, Definitely good one soundtrack yeah. on that one. Um, yeah, and it's interesting. That's another one that has some really interesting differences between the movie version and. And the multiple, you know, staged ones. Um, Hair. That was one I liked the soundtrack on that one. See, I've never seen Hair. Or I, I've, I've never, I've only heard, you know, the songs from the radio. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, uh, HSI asks, in an alternate reality where you didn't grow up with the systems or computers you did, do you think you'd still have interest in other systems like you have today? For example, if Aaron grew up with the Ness instead of the Coco, do you think he would even notice the Coco existed today? Well, if I did not have a computer background, if I was like Boat, right, 
and and grew up. I mean, you did have the Atari though, so even you had a computer background. So if I had grown up like just with consoles, I doubt I'd be in the. Uh, we I doubt there'd be a show like this, or I'd have a bunch of crap sitting around my room like this. But it's funny. I grew up with computers. I, I think about this quite a bit, actually. I've thought about this the other day. Like, like when I had uh, the Coco, right? I thought it was awesome. But I knew there was better stuff out there, okay? And then when I had the Tandy 1000, I thought it was awesome. But I knew there was way better stuff out there. Now, when I had the Amiga, I thought, hey, I'm pretty close. You know, I mean, it's pr- you're playing a lot of console-level stuff. Mm-hmm. But and and I'm just be I'm shooting straight here, boat. I think the key, one of the big key elements to my love of computers is piracy, pure straight up piracy. Because the one thing I couldn't do is get stuff for consoles, even if I'd had them. Uh, I was I'm not saying my mom and dad wouldn't have bought me software and stuff, but they never, they didn't buy after the Odyssey. They never did. And so part of my love affair, I mean, I'll admit it. I love a lot of substandard or less than adequate stuff. And it, it's because I grew up, part of it was just obtaining stuff. Sort of like if you've ever listened, to, if you've ever read Rob's book, Commodore, he goes into the uh, uh, just his obsession with obtaining Commodore 64 software. All right. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't go as overboard as Rob, just because I didn't have the structure around me that he did. Right. But it was a driving force in my enjoyment of the platforms that I was pirating on. Right. And so if, so I try to think of what would have happened if I'd never gotten into computers. Right. It would have probably ended up like Brent where I had, I rented a lot of console games and played that stuff. And I don't think I would still have, I would certainly wouldn't have the passion for computers because I would probably think they were mostly pointless uh, because I would have never went down the piracy road where I did it. And so I don't think I would be into that stuff now like I would, like I am, strictly on the basis that I found another path. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think? Well, you know, I grew up, the thing that keeps me coming back to old computers is not the fact that they offer a better gaming experience than consoles, because nine times out of ten, they just don't. But what does is the amount, the sheer amount of variety and the sheer amount of, uh, unique titles that would have never seen the light of day on on console like a game like hangar 18 you would never see that in a million years you know um and it's the stories of the people that that make these games you know all the bedroom programmer stuff i think is really fascinating and it's also harkens back to a time when like here in the west we actually made crap you know, it's like it's awesome that they made um, that they made spectrums in, in Dundee, Scotland. You know, there was a line a fi- there was a there was an assembly line that was ch- that was cranking out computers and it wasn't in Asia. It was it was here, you know, here in quotes. Um, and it's the history that I think is so compelling about old computers. So I think even and I'm a big history guy. So I think even if I hadn't grown up with the Atari I would still have more than a passing interest in computer gaming history. You know, it's funny because you were you mentioned how console games pretty much are hands down ahead of computer games, and it's funny as a computer guy, uh, I would totally disagree with you without any basis in fact. And the reason <laughs> I say that, and the reason I say that is, if you're if you grow up specifically a computer guy, you look for different things in games. And so I would look for things that, like, for example, uh, 
uh, role-playing games on the PC were completely different than role-playing games on a console, right? And so I always thought the console, and to this day, I still think that, right or wrong, but I always thought that I always found them highly inferior to PC role-playing games, you know, because, and it, and part of it, it's not like they couldn't have played them and vice versa. It's just, it's a totally different type of game. PCs had, we looked for a different type of game. Now, sometimes the PC would try to play in the console's world and get smashed, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but uh, and also you get that mentality. It's that to hurt. You get that mentality. It's like why the Genesis guys and the and the Nintendo guys can't get along, right? It's because that was their system. You grow up with a certain allegiance to it, you know, and so you got that going for it too. But yeah, I, 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 I but, think. But I, here, here's the thing: you're like you're right to a certain extent, very, very, very early on. Okay, so like I, what you say has merit up until the NES comes out. But guess what? Ultima on the NES and the port's awesome. Wizardry on the NES and the port's awesome. Bard's Tale on the NES and the port's awesome. So that whole line of thinking is something that's continually perpetuated among sort of like the classic PC is the best crew, but it's just factually untrue. Well, there. Uh, listen, you started a couple examples, but there are plenty of there are plenty of other games that weren't as weren't as nice on the on the consoles as they were on the PC. Plus, the PC gave you. You know, there were certain advantages to it. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying well, what I'm saying is from a strictly if you just strip away everything other than the gaming part of it. Now, the, the, the thing is, the PC gives you gaming plus everything, plus a career path, you know, plus communication. It, the PC offers a much better total package than any console. And that continues to be true to this day. But if you're only in it for the gaming and you don't care about anything else then, I mean, there's a reason why there still are consoles, even though PCs are so cheap and so powerful and everywhere. Yeah, so. I, I, I I agree. I agree. What can I say? Uh, let's see here. Moving on to Paul. He says, have you or someone? Nope. Have you or I want to I'm going to read what I think he's written. Have you ever or have you ever known anyone that has claimed that they've seen a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I live with one. <laughs> In fact, she just went on a ghost hunt two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, tons of people, tons and tons and tons of people I know have will have claimed to have seen ghosts. Uh, I don't necessarily know if I've seen a ghost, but I uh, have seen. It's weird been a stuff. while. It's been a while since you've told the Davaroni's train. I story. we just told it a couple weeks no, ago. It, it's been about a year ago. No, so it hasn't. Because I watched the episode. I just went over it. I'm not going over that again. <laughs> you ask it every time, and that wasn't a ghost story. That was a me jacked up on weird chemical story. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that was. No, I. I've heard weird stuff, but I mean, I've never physically seen a ghost. Like where I, I thought to myself un- unconditionally, that is a spirit right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I know plenty of people that have. So, you know, yeah. Um, I think that, um, you know, in Thailand, why well, you, you know, these days, actually, I, I, this is probably not true anymore, but in Thailand, they are much more, um, attuned maybe, or, you know, open to paranormal, uh, experiences just as part of their sort of folk um, religion where it's it's tied up with all of these elements of Buddhism and um, and sort of uh, ancestor worship and um, and just sort of spirits and ghosts everywhere. And uh, and so Eep's mom has talked about how, you know, when she was a girl, she would go out into the field at night to use the restroom and uh, she would see, you know, she would just see like lights and stuff. And this is back when there was no electricity, 
you know, and she would just see like lights floating through the trees and stuff like that. So, you know, um, I, I always try and keep an open mind about that stuff. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, the, the mind is a powerful thing, but there's also stuff out there that we 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 don't we don't know about. You know, I, um, I've never seen a ghost, though. The Amazing Randy just passed away a couple weeks ago. You remember that? A very famous skeptic, you know, and a guy who's hated by the paranormal community uh, because his skept- all the skeptics are not ha- they're not welcome with the paranormal community because they badmouth these guys. Sure. All them idiots, you know, that's their job. Um, you know, I'm not nearly as believing in this stuff as I was when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even close. And it, I find it, uh, I find it uh, an interesting trend that uh, p- belief in the paranormal and spirits and spiritualism and whatnot are on the uptick in America right now, because I think it coincides with the fact that we're dumber than we've ever been. <laughs> just, just, I don't want to rag on people that believe that. Stuff. I'm just saying it concerns me mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, that there was that weird phase where everyone was making a ghost show. You know, about ten years ha, ago, has that has that? Uh, you know, I don't keep track of that stuff at all. Is that sort of abated? Oh yeah, big time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it, it abated. Uh, and it's because there were, th- and there's still some of those shows on the air. But I mean, they it was just like anything else. It was overkill, you know. Mm. Uh, and uh, but that spawned a lot of people to that got interested in the paranormal and ghost hunting and whatnot. So, I mean, I guess it's a good thing, you know, but I mean, I'll live with someone who's like, I mean, partially dedicated their life to that study. I've got a, and you've seen the library I've got in here. It's unparalleled that for in that community. It's also mm-hmm. unparalleled. That, that library is unparalleled and it's baloney. I mean, we could, we could have a deli in here with the amount of baloney on these shelves <laughs> because the people that write this stuff are absolute idiots. All right, now there is some good stuff on the shelf, but there's a lot of crap. And Tree would be the first one to tell you that. What is the what are because I'm 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 interested to hear your thoughts on this because you are so well versed. Like, what no, are I'm some not of the that well versed? Well, okay. I mean, in terms of like baloney troops that you see trotted out again and again, what are the ones that come to mind the most? Well, it's not the, it's not so much that it's like tr- tr- troops or whatever. It's just the fact that the if you pick up any random book out of this collection, okay, and look at it. Okay, and read it. You can tell that the person that wrote this was an absolute idiot. Mm. Like it was written by an idiot for uh, the consumption of morons. Mm-hmm. You know, now some of these books, people actually give it to college try. They actually write something that's semi intelligent, but a lot of them are garbage. Uh, I'd say 70% of the library is garbage, you know, and it's. And listen, I grew up with the Bermuda Triangle book and the Philadelphia oh, yeah. Experiment. And those, mm-hmm. if you go back and read them, they're horrible. And they uh, don't make any sense. And they're lies. They've been you want to hear something funny about know? the Bermuda Triangle book? You know, I think I've told you this before, but many things scared me as a child. Okay. And so I, I the Bermuda Triangle book, I think this was a popular book because my parents just had it, you know. Yeah, everyone and, had that one. Yeah. yeah. And, and I read it. And it scared me so much that I put yeah. it on top of the refrigerator because I couldn't even look at it like on the, its spine on, on the bookshelf. Wow. Yeah. I believe I, that with you. I hid it from myself. It just, uh, it, the, I've been to plenty of these conventions and stuff. And, and I've listened to like some of the top people in the field give lectures and they were crap. I guarantee you, I've told Tree this and she, she bought it. You could give me any topic and I could walk up in front of a podium and I could spin a better yarn than -hmm. what these so-called experts have put together. You know, I went to one where they were talking about it. It was a a combination talk on ghosts of the Civil War and ghost sex. Okay. (laughs) Now, ghosts of the Civil War. Okay. 
you know, but ghost sex. How could you have insight on that? Also, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know, and so guess what? This talk was garbage. She played a music video about the Civil War twice just to kill time in between her horrible, stupid lecture. And this chick was nationally renowned as an author. Mm. Okay, horrible. So, yeah, I don't after I've been exposed to this for decades, I don't put much stock in it because I think the people that at the tippity top of the field are idiots. And as you get lower, they get more and more stupid. So there you go. All right. Duncan Stiles asks, how often do you change the oil in your car? I heard the official advice in the U.S. is to change it much more frequently than in Europe. Is that true? My car requests a service every 12,000 miles or 12 months that you can set it for a long life, which gives you a bit extra. Does your car tell you when to change the oil? Um, you can set it to. Uh, it, it's basically just a timer on the miles. It, it, it doesn't. Don't. I've only had one car. I had a Honda Civic Hybrid that did give me a warning when it was time to change the oil. I guess there was a sensor or something, but that's the only one. But yeah, the conventional wisdom for years and years in America was 3,000 miles. Uh, older cars that used non-synthetic oil, you did have to change the oil much more frequently. I think on the whole, in the in Europe, in the UK, I think cars are much newer. People don't keep beaters around as long as what they do here in the States. Um, like, you'll frequently in Hurricane... And you'll back me up with this, Aaron. You'll see cars from the 80s and 90s on the streets as a regular occurrence. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if for newer cars that have synthetic oils, yeah, yeah um, you can get it like for my Hyundai, which is a 2017, they recommend 75,000 miles per oil change. How about you, Aaron? Pfft, are you kidding me? You're asking me this question? I don't know, Jack Squad, about cars. Well, I you know how stick. often you change oil. Yeah, not enough. I got a little sticker on the car that tells me when to go back, and then I wait an extra, say, year, and then I go in. You know, <laughs> my car at work, when the, when uh, uh, they always tell us to basically go one and a half times what they say to do on the sticker. Mm -hmm. And so, but uh, in uh, in the state of Kentucky, they, they basically, when COVID kicked in, they abolished all oil changes and basically maintenance unless it was emergency. <laughs> so I haven't had the oil change in that thing for a year. So I wow. it's probably do. But I mean, I haven't drove it that much uh, because I just drive it to do the work stuff and that's it. Uh, but uh, I mean, the other guys that take their vehicles home, that's a whole different story. But for me, I just drive that thing at work. So it doesn't mm. get that many miles on it. You know, mm. my, my personal car you know, I just take it in when I figure it's time. I don't, I mean, I've got that sticker that sort of tells you how many miles I've got to have on it, but I mean, I don't, I, it's I a feel thing for you. Cars. You just, What's you that? just it's a feel thing for you. You just well, like no, when, it, when it feels right. Listen, I, you don't want to know how not good at paying attention to this stuff. I, I'll just put it that way. But I mean, I'm sure, in fact, this conversation will probably spur me to go, going to get it done. <laughs> All right. Well, we are about at the hour mark. So why don't we take a quick break and stop and start a new recording? And okay. uh, and I need to use the facilities and uh, refill the water. Should we? <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us for this week's. Bye-bye. <laughs>